The second book of Kings, chapter 2. Second Kings, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. We're at verse 12. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word, the things we can read about thousands of years later and still glean truth from it. God, bless the rest of this service today. Bless the continuing to singing, praises to your name. God, may you get glory by everything done here today. Amen. 
as Eric just read a few moments ago, Elijah is taken up into heaven. It is found in 2 Kings chapter 2. And I got to tell you, I'm a little sad to see you go. Elijah, I don't want you to leave yet because truth be told, this has been a challenging and very enjoyable lesson uh, series and teaching series for me to engage in. I'm not necessarily going to tell you that Elijah is my very favorite Bible character, but I got to tell you after I've read this book now twice, maybe three times, and it has grown more and more and more enjoyable to know the story behind the life of Elijah, and there's so much to learn. If you have missed out on some of the weeks in the last few, I encourage you to go back, especially if today you by chance might be kind of um, stumbling in or haven't been a, a part of the services recently. And by the way, as Eric said, I hope that you guys will engage on the, uh, on the stream. I love hearing what you guys have to say. And anytime that you give me an amen, it's really awesome because I get a chance to like smile about the amen that you give us uh, over into Monday and Tuesday when I see these things. So definitely share, encourage one another there and engage there. But if by chance you are just stumbling in and kind of coming through today, I want to encourage you to go back and look at some of the different ones that we have been speaking about, sharing about from Elijah's life. One in particular that I think spoke the most to me is actually not even on this list, but it's the one that was in August, uh, the very last week of August, I believe August 30th or 29th. But it was about the, the depression and the brokenness that we saw in Elijah's life and how clearly God just give us, gave, gave us in the word of God the truth behind Elijah's mindset and mentality and the brokenness that he was dealing with on the inside that wasn't at all visible on the outside. I love it when God's word just tells the truth on its heroes and doesn't you know whitewash it or sugarcoat it at all. But these are some of the others that we've talked about. We talked about passing the torch last week was, uh, was I think, something that was very much near and dear to my heart uh, because of not what I was saying, but it just spoke to me personally when God's patience wears thin. And uh, I also today, I'm preaching and teaching a message entitled, No, No Death. And yes, I know that sounds like a bad 80s action flick, but I couldn't resist, okay? I'm a child of the 80s. Um, I've got the bad hair pictures to prove it. One of these days, I'll break it out for you. Um, But yes, today is no, no death. And it is all about Elijah being taken away and not facing death the way that we know it. And actually, if you kind of look at uh, this great life series, you'll see just the different parts of what each person, including some women, Esther is a great book. I've read that one as well. But just any of these, they go a little deeper in every single Bible character's um, you know, uh, life story that they share. I encourage you to look at this. But there's a picture that I shared with you a couple weeks ago, and I told you it was a spoiler alert. Today is our day. This is Elijah being taken up into heaven, and Elisha there left behind. And that's what we're going to be talking about and what we see in um, this story from the scriptures from 2 Kings chapter 2 that Eric read. Now, the cross of Christ reminds us very clearly that we do not fear death. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that, yes, Elijah was taken up into heaven and he did not face death. It's kind of interesting because really there's only two um, Bible characters that did not face death. One was named Enoch in the book of Genesis that basically just says Enoch was no more because God took him away. And so in Genesis chapter 5, you can go back and read it. There's no fanfare. There's no description. It just means that Enoch was walking with God and then suddenly he was no longer walking with God. He was in God's presence. And that's exactly what we hear about Elijah here in this passage of Scripture. But the interesting thing is, is that we see the story and we also kind of already know a lot more about Elijah and the background that we find. Interestingly enough, the transfiguration found in Matthew and Mark tells us that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you don't know what that is, this is where Jesus is kind of coming towards the end of his life. And basically, I believe that kind of the glory of God began to shine through. He, he no longer kept it hidden from his disciples. But that inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, uh, you know, went up on the top of a mountain. And we call this the Mount of Transfiguration. And interestingly, there's two characters that we find ourselves seeing with Jesus in this incredible moment of glory uh, of Jesus being revealed. And one of them is Elijah. That has led some people to say that, according to Revelation chapter 11, there will be two great witnesses during the Great Tribulation, um, and one of them will be Elijah and one of them will be Moses. And so you can go a little deeper on that if you choose to do that. But 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 20, I just want to share this with you and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Let's remind ourselves of who is in this frame one is Elijah and one is Elisha. And so very quickly, let's read where we've been and let's talk a little bit about this story that brings us to the ending moment of Elijah's life. It says that Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And let's be very clear, if he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, that means there's 24 uh, different head of cattle there. And so more than likely, Elisha came from a very well-to-do family. He wasn't leaving behind nothing but dirt and, uh, and, and problems back there when he chose to walk away and follow Elijah. As a matter of fact, he probably had a very successful life and a very easy life if he chose to live and stay in the one that he was already in. But as Elisha is there plowing with these oxen, Elijah comes and throws his mantle, his cloak, his um, sign of authority, if you will, around his shoulders. And so Elisha left uh, his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he says, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? In other words, hey, I, no pressure here at all. You choose to live the life you choose to live. But we see what kind of man Elisha is because he goes back and he literally slaughters the oxen and then he burns them and cooks them over the fire that has been uh, given the wood with the plowing implements. So he burns the boats in every way possible. There's nothing left for him to go back to. And the Bible tells us that from this day forward, he goes everywhere that Elijah goes. And so we see what kind of friendship, we see what kind of man is going to be the successor for Elijah. He has in every single way passed the torch to Elisha. 
But let's just be very clear. Elisha doesn't look at him just purely as a, as a person that's there, as a mentor. It's clear that according to the things that Elisha does, he is a friend. And you can see that. Let's go to uh, the next two slides down. Not the passing the torch, but there we go. And it says, he set out and fought Elijah and became his servant. And let's be also very clear, the passage of scripture that we read just a little earlier, we saw this happened two different times. And then he goes to the banks of the Jordan where he is taken up into that chariot of fire. So three separate times, Elijah says to Elisha, just stay here, just stay here. And Elisha says, I'm not staying here. Wherever you go, I am going. I want you to know I'm not going to leave you. And so he is much more than just a a mentor figure. He is a friend. And I believe that Elisha knew that this man who was a prophet of God was going to be taken from him. And he wanted to see every single last moment here on earth. He was a true friend. And we talked about last uh, two weeks ago, I believe, about how friendship multiplies the joys and it divides the sorrows, as Cicero just uh, had once said a long time ago. And that is so true in your life and mine. We need good friends and we need people to share life with. It is so important. That's just how we are made. If this pandemic hasn't taught us anything, it reminds us that we are not made to live in isolation. Mental health right now is at an all-time low because we were not made to live in isolation. Here's something to learn. Somehow, on this day that is Elijah's last on earth, there is a large group of people that knows that Elijah is going to be taken up into heaven on this day. And Elijah and Elisha and even two separate schools of prophets, approximately a hundred different men know that this is what's going to happen to Elijah. And so because of that, there's a conversation that goes back and forth a few different times and it kind of repeats itself a couple of times. Now, here's the map that I want to show you very quickly so you can get a sense here. He began in Gilgal that final day, that's where he began, and then he goes to Bethel to visit the school of prophets there, and then he makes his way from Bethel down to Jericho, and he visits the school of prophets there, and then you can see the River Jordan that kind of runs there down uh, the right-hand side into the Dead Sea. We don't know exactly where it takes place, but we do know that along the River Jordan, that's where God sends that chariot of fire for Elijah. And so we get a little bit of a sense that he kind of took a circular pattern. And at each stop, he gives Elisha the opportunity to stay behind. And Elisha says, no, no, no. Wherever you go, I'm going too. And when Elijah is taken away in the chariot of fire into God's presence, this is that second something to learn. Elisha is right there. They had just finished visiting those school of the prophets in Bethel and in Jericho, and they had not left. At the school, at the two different schools of the prophets, there's something that just keeps getting said and repeated. And I want us to take a look at this in this next slide here. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replies. So be quiet. And I don't know exactly what that means, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then it's repeated again at Jericho. Now, Here's what Chuck Swindoll says in his 
book. And I don't know his whole story, but it kind of had me a little interested because he makes it sound like this is something that he can fully identify with. But, but check this out. He says, how many times have you heard it said that when a person dies, his or her whole life passes in review before them? How do you know that? I mean, wouldn't you have to die to know that? And when you do die, you're no longer around to tell anyone what it's like. But the truth is, and this is where I wonder what's happened in his past. But the truth is, those of us who have had close calls, brushes with death, a terrible illness, an almost drowning, a serious accident, have had the experience, haven't we? So that's not happened to me. But he's basically saying, I've had this happen in my own life. And I've had the privilege and the honor of being next to people when they have taken their last breath on a number of different occasions. Um, I can count on more than one hand the times that I've been in the room when a person has taken their last breath. It is a profound and powerful moment. I, I, can't, even, I can't even fully put it into words. I'm here to tell you that it is incredibly sad, but it is also incredibly beautiful. He goes on and he says, We've seen a great panorama an instant mural of the past flashed before our eyes. And I believe that this is something that happens for a lot of people, which is a beautiful gift for many people because they be, have an opportunity in just a split second in a moment to relive some very beautiful scenes in their life and some beautiful things that have happened to them. And he says, Chuck Swindoll goes on in this quote, he says, such a never-to-be-forgotten phenomenon makes us reflect, doesn't it? That, I believe, is what happened to Elijah. And it's very interesting that he's saying that he believes, the reason that he keeps saying, well, to be quiet, be quiet, don't talk about it, don't say so much, what he's trying to communicate there is, this is a powerful and personal moment, don't intrude. But I would also say, there is something that I see here that I haven't really heard anyone else talk about. And I want to be very, very clear about it. This is not in the scriptures, but this is just my own thought. If you look back at Elijah's lowest point, when you see him leave the 450 prophets of Baal showdown on Mount Carmel, the Bible tells us that he already had a servant who was with him. He had a person who would follow him wherever he went. But interestingly, at the time that he is at his very lowest point, the Bible tells us that he sends his servant away. He sends him away and says, you go that direction, and I'm going to keep going in this direction. And what I think is very interesting to think about is, I'm wondering, just as when he was at his very lowest point, Elijah sent a servant away, I'm wondering if He's one, uh, wondering himself if Elisha's going to be the same. If he's going to listen to him say, no, 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 you don't have to go with me. Because you can see it in Elijah. He's not putting himself into Elisha's life. He's not very bold, as strange as it sounds. He's not very bold when it comes to inserting himself into other people's lives for himself. And so he says to his servant at the lowest point right after Mount Carmel, you stay here, I'm going to keep traveling without you. Here at the very end of his life, I wonder if he's not reverting back to that same old pattern. But the difference here is, 
The difference between a servant and a friend, somebody that you pay to help you versus somebody who wants to lovingly serve you. Elisha says, I don't care what you tell me. I am not leaving you alone on this day. This moment will not find you leaving this world by yourself. I will be there by your side and I will not abandon you. And I think it is a beautiful thing that God sent the man who was broken, who on the outside looked incredibly bold, but on the inside was incredibly broken. He sent him a friend who said, I don't care what you say, I will not leave you. Not many people like that left in this world, but Elisha was one, and it is a beautiful thing to see. And Elijah's last request, I want to talk a little bit about this and read a longer section of scripture. So follow along with me, if you don't mind. Here is what happens as Elijah is taken up. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha replies, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And then after Elijah is taken up, Elisha picks up Elijah's cloak. It's this Mantle, it's this garment that kind of has come to symbolize the, the power of God that is resting on Elijah's shoulders, but has fallen down from the chariot of fire that has whisked Elijah up into heaven. But there it is. And so Elisha basically reaches down, picks it up, and he says, this is what I have. And the way that they got to where they were was as they were going towards the river Jordan, the Bible tells us that Elijah has taken his cloak and he struck the water with it. And when he did, it divided in two separate sections. And now on the other side, the water began to flow again. But now that Elijah has been taken up into heaven in the chariot of fire, Elisha has in his hands that garment. And he walks back over to the river. And he has been promised that if he saw Elijah go, that he'd get a double portion of the spirit of Elijah in his own life. And so he says, striking the water, where now is the God of Elijah? Did he go when Elijah left this world? Did he go too? And the answer is clearly no, because as he strikes the water with Elijah's cloak, it divides again and he walks across on dry ground. And the 50 men that are watching all of this happen and transpire say to themselves and among themselves, the spirit of God that was on Elijah is now resting on Elisha. It's an incredible thing. But why is it incredible? I mean, be honest. Do you and I get to the place where we think that we do something for God? I mean, do we get to the place where we think, well, God can use that kind of person, but he can't use somebody like me. But the problem for most of us is, is that we do not try to say, give me a double portion of those people that have inspired me and led me and passed the torch to me. Let me be twice the man that Elijah was. What a powerful thing to ask from Elisha uh, to Elijah. He says, I want to be twice as much a man of God as you have been. It is a beautiful and powerful reminder that when one person leaves this world, that there is still a residue of their example, their life, their, their inheritance, spiritually speaking, that is left for us. 
But we don't need to forget that the same God that did things through Elijah can still do things through Elisha as well. It's not all resting on his shoulders. It's left here in this world. And the power of God today is the same that was the power of God a long time ago. Can I get an amen? Y'all give it to me. Amen. So let's never forget that. Let's never forget that it is not up to us. It is up to God. And when the, the water strikes and they go in different directions and he starts walking back, oh, the spirit of God is resting on Elisha just like it was Elijah. Yeah, because God isn't finished with this world. Don't forget that God is not finished with this world. He still wants us to be involved in doing his work here in this place. Now, very quickly, I want to just do something that really probably makes a lot of sense to you and to me. And that is, is that honestly, as we look at the end of someone's life, we tend to look at the end of their life and we begin to kind of memorialize them. Do you remember when this happened? Do you, do you remember that story that we used to tell about old, you know, and you kind of run down the life that you have known and learned from. And so I want to do that very quickly when it comes to Elijah. And I want to just remember some of the things that we've seen in his life. And then I want us to apply this very clearly to the things that we're doing in our own lives. We talked about how Elijah was bold. Think about this. How was Elijah bold? Do you remember? The very first thing that we remember about him is he bursts onto the scene with no fanfare. And he says, as the God of heaven lives... There will be not rain nor dew in this land for these years except at my word. And then off he goes to be cared for by the ravens at the brook. And so this is what Elijah does. He is incredibly bold. He, he goes to the widow of Zarephath and says to her, Hey, before you make food... You say you don't have nearly enough of. Here's what I want you to do. You've never met me, but I want you to make me something first because here's what I promise you. If you do, God has said the oil and the flour will not dry up because he is going to touch them and miraculously provide. That is a bold request of a widow who has one thing important in her life, and that is her son. But she does it, and God shows up. It's incredible. And what about how Elijah calls all the prophets in Ashtoreth uh, and Baal both to show up on Mount Carmel and shows them down 450 prophets of Baal and even more of Ashtoreth on top of that. And he faces them all down in an incredible showdown that God shows up. And what about how he walks to a man who is well above his economic standing? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that Elijah shows no fear, but he throws that cloak and that mantle around Elisha's shoulders. But I want to show you something else as we keep moving. And then last week we talked about how he rebukes the only king of Israel. He rebukes him over what he had done about Naboth's vineyard. But that's how Elijah was bold. But let's not forget that Elisha, pardon me, Elijah was also broken. Let's talk about that as well. You remember when he says... At that lowest moment, he says, take my life, Lord, I'm done. I'm no better than any of my fathers were. He's at his lowest point and he is broken. What about when he tells Elisha, you stay here, I'm going to leave this world alone. What about when he says the same thing to his other servant that was there with him? The truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we forget that those who are bold sometimes are broken. It's just not something that we see. And then to Elisha, he says, well, what have I done to you? In some ways, I want 
that boldness of Elijah to go to Elisha and say, the Lord has called me to anoint you, which is exactly what happened. You can go back and read in 1 Kings chapter 19, I believe, when he says, go and call him, uh, maybe 18 or 19. But as he goes, he doesn't say that. He says, well, what? I, I mean, what have I done to you? I'm not making your decisions. I'm not living your life for you. And so in some small way, I see a little bit of brokenness where it's hard for him to be bold in that way, which reminds me, this is very important, and this brings us to our big idea. For all of us, we probably need to remind ourselves that there are places we are bold and there are places that we are broken. But when we find balance between those two, we can make a huge impact for God and in our world and in those lives around us. You see, you find balance, I find balance, when we find that boldness, but we do not deny that we are broken. And that is our big idea today. You do not deny you're broken, but you are still willing to be bold. And here is very interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you and I both know this is true. You have areas in your life where you are incredibly bold. And then you have areas in your life where you are incredibly broken, right? I mean, things that you say to your kids, you would never say to your boss, right? You're bold with your kids, but broken with your boss. Or you are bold with other people that are your friends, but you are broken and you don't let them see. There's different areas of your life. What I believe that we are called to do is be that person that, like Elijah, embodies both boldness and brokenness and is balanced in a way through God's Spirit and His molding. Because for you and for me, if we're all bold or all broken, we've got a problem. And let me just say, you know who you are. For some of you, you're very, very bold, and that's what comes easy. And some of you, you are very broken, and that's what comes easy. But neither one of those things are the things that God has called us to be. He's called us to be both bold and broken. Now, don't miss this because this is so important. Do not miss this. It's right here on the screen. With God's help, Elijah found not the one which was better, but he found he could be both. He found balance. Here's what I mean. If I say you be bold or you be broken, one of you is probably going to say, well, I'd much rather be bold. I mean, you know, I'd much rather be bold than broken, so I just do that. Well, let me tell you something. For most of us, we're so quick to say, I'd rather choose one or the other, but that's not what it is. This is not a one or the other. This is a both and kind of thing where you and I need to find certain relationships where we've been all bold where we need to sprinkle in a little bit of brokenness or where we've been all broken, but yet we need to sprinkle in a little bit of boldness. And here's what I mean. If you are nothing but bold with your kids, you're going to push them away. If you constantly always, always have the right answer, and if you constantly always are telling them what you should and shouldn't do, I'm here to tell you that even when you know all the answers, it doesn't always do you good to share every single answer every single time because if there's no brokenness in the boldness, here's what happens. Let's talk about that. What happens when you're all one and none of the other? Let's be very clear because they both have their own consequences. If you're too much broken, let's start there. If you're too much broken, here's what we find. If you're too much broken, people will pity you but then they will also take advantage of you 
And then they will keep or they will reestablish their distance from you. Because people can't constantly pity someone and yet respect them at the same time. If people constantly pity you, they find themselves okay to take advantage of you because you don't respect you. So why should they either? So too much brokenness is not good. And also, though, too much boldness is not good because people will admire you for being bold and speaking your mind, but they're also going to make an adversary of you. They're not going to take advantage of you, but they'll make an adversary out of you because people don't like it when you are constantly tramping through their lives and elbowing your way in and chilling them and shoving them to the edge. So if you will not be broken before them, they will make an adversary out of you. And whether it's overt or underneath, they will find a way to undermine you. Or once again, they will reestablish or keep their distance from you. Too much bold and too much broken never works. It always gets you and I what we do not want. And I want to be very, very clear. For some of you in your marriage, some of you in your children, some of you in your work habits and relationships, for some of you in your extended family circumstances, For some of you in your relationships that don't have anything to do with family but friends. For some of you in your online life, you're way too much bold or way too much broken. But neither one of them all the time is what you want or desire. It's not going to get you what you're looking for. You've got to be that person that is finding the rare balance. And it's a job. It's a continuous process. But you find too much bold or too much broken and you're not going to find what you want. So again, as we see Elijah taken up into heaven, we notice something about what the word of God says. It says that we were suddenly, suddenly he was separated from Elijah and Elisha. And it's very interesting. I, I don't know if you guys have really thought about this or not. And I'm hastening to a close. But I don't know if you've thought about this or not. But Can you believe that on March 13th or so, we had no idea that March 14th was going to be the time where we did not see certain friends again for another seven months? Can you imagine back that day before? I I mean, I literally remember exactly what was going on. I had a daughter who was in from out of town. Tori was in from Michigan. She went to the rodeo. The very next day, the rodeo was canceled. And for a lot of us, we suddenly were separated. We suddenly became separated from the people that we knew. And and it happened quickly and suddenly. And, And you can see this in this passage of Scripture Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And then Elijah's cloak had fallen from him and he went back and stood on the banks of the Jordan. I want to be very clear about something. This is going to sound crazy to you. This is going to sound crazy to you, but I promise you it's true. I had people that I served when I worked as a hospice chaplain. I referenced that a little earlier. But when I served as a hospice chaplain, I had people who had parents that had been on hospice for more than two years, who were in their mid to upper 90s and been struggling, I mean, on oxygen and all that stuff. And they finally ended up passing away. And you know what they said to me? I'd call them, I'd say, hey, I'm just checking and making sure you're doing okay. You know what they'd say to me? I I, I can't believe they're gone. 
It just happened so quickly. I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about? Happened quickly. They've been on oxygen. You know, they're in their mid-90s. You know, what are you talking about? Happened quickly. Hospice, they're supposed to be gone within six months. There's no way this is quick. And then the more that I grasped what was going on, I realized (laughs) that separation feels so final that it feels sudden no matter how much you're prepared for it. I can't, I can't explain it any better than that because it's inexplicable unless you've been there. But when you lose somebody that you knew kept going downhill and kept going downhill, but suddenly they're gone, you think, oh my goodness, that is just so final. We, we say sudden, but we probably mean final, and we can't wrap our head around it. But isn't it interesting that God reminds us in his word right here that the cloak falls from Elijah. There is something to remember him by. There is something to carry on. There is a mantle to pick up. There is a work to be done. It is a beautiful reminder that even when we leave this world, quick or sudden, expected or not, we have no idea. We can never say for sure. But when that does happen, here's what I would challenge you and me. We better be ready That when we do leave this earth, and it is sudden, that we don't look back and say, I wish I would have invested more time. I wish I would have done more things with these people that actually mattered. I wish I would have valued those individuals more. I wish I would have said some words to those people that I cared about the most. I wish I would, I wish I, I I wish I would have, and you go on and on and on and on with the I wish I would have's. But you did not, even though you had the chance and you had the opportunity. That's why they call it today. Today is your day. Today is the day to make the decisions because we do not have tomorrow planned or promised for us. It happens to us and around us. We do not know. Now, very quickly, here is how you can apply this message. And I want to talk about it. Here's the quickly I apply by what relation, or the big question, I, I like the big question, if you don't mind. What relationship or situation do you need to find balance in your words and your actions concerning that boldness or that brokenness? Maybe you say, you know what, I've been way too broken and people are taking advantage of me in this circumstance. Or I've been way too bold and they need to see my heart in this other circumstance. Because it's important for us to grasp. And very quickly, here is the I apply by. You can ask yourself, what is my default setting? And here's what I mean. You guys know this. I know this. We've all experienced this. Here's the thing. Some of us are very heavily weighted towards being way too bold. And then some of us are way too heavily weighted at being broken. But here's what we need. We need to find that balance. And when you do, here is what I encourage you. You can walk away with a word. Here's your word. If you're broken, say no. But say no for the right reasons. Don't say no. I I just don't have time. I'm sorry. No, no, if you're way too broken, just say it. Just say, listen, hey, I'm sorry. I got to say no, but here's why I'm saying no. I don't tell people no that much, and my schedule is so full right now. I need to be better at telling people no. So it's nothing personal, but the answer for you, unfortunately, has to be no. Because then you establish a little bit of respect for yourself and they establish a little bit of respect for you as well. Or if you're way too bold, You ask the question, how do I help you? Because the truth be told, for most of us, 
If we're way too bold, we're quick to tell people how they need to fit into our agenda, but we seldom volunteer to get on somebody else's agenda. And so if you are way too bold, you get on their agenda for a change and stop asking or demanding or expecting that other people get on yours. This is how you and I can change and find that balance of being bold and broken. And isn't it a beautiful thing that God is able to use Elijah Not because he's bold, but because he's bold and broken. And he's found that balance where the brokenness allows God's light to shine through. It is a beautiful thing. Very quickly, I want to share this with you. And this is also just an encouragement for you. And then we're going to sing a final song. But here's what I would share with you. I don't know if you guys are fans. I don't know if you guys follow basketball like I do, uh, getting close to NBA title time. But one of the people that I like to listen to is a guy by the name of Jalen Rose. Way back in the day, he was a member of the Fab Five. And now he is a guy who talks uh, and, and talks about basketball and just talks about life in a lot of ways. And it is very powerful, one of the things that he said. Here's what he says. He said, people will bring you flowers to your funeral, but they won't bring you soup when you're sick. And I think that's probably pretty true. There are a lot of people who want to talk about somebody once they're gone and say all kinds of nice things. But while they were here, they couldn't help them or serve them because they just didn't make time. So here is what he does. He talks about people. And when he says this, he says, listen, listen, before I do anything, I want to tell y'all, I'm going I'm to share, share some flowers about this person Right now. In other words, he's saying, as long as they're here, I want them to hear the good things that I would say about them at a funeral, but I want to hear them to hear it while they're alive. Because truth be told, if y'all got something nice to say about me, man, y'all don't wait till y'all are talking about me after I'm dead and gone. Y'all go ahead and give it to me now. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, give it to me now. If you're going to talk good about your kid, you tell them now. If you're going to talk good about your parent, Tell them now. Don't wait. If you're going to talk good about your spouse, tell them now. Do it now. By the way, shout out to my beautiful wife. Tomorrow is her birthday. She says she's not celebrating anymore. (laughs) Shelly, I know you're still celebrating birthdays because I still got to buy presents, right? I know that's true, okay? Here's what I know. You're a beautiful woman with a beautiful heart, and I love you. And I could not be the man that I am without you, so... Happy birthday to you. Here's a poem entitled Now from one of my favorite authors of poetry and other things. His name is Anonymous. That guy's really good, I'm telling you. He's got a lot of good stuff. Here's the latest poem from Anonymous entitled Now. If you have hard work to do, do it now. Today the skies are clear and blue. Tomorrow clouds may come into view. Yesterday is not for you. So do it now. If you have a song to sing, sing it now. Let the notes of gladness ring, clear as a song of bird and spring. Let every day some music bring. Sing it now. If you have kind words to say, say them now. Tomorrow may not come your way. Do a kindness while you may. Loved ones will not always stay. So say those words now. And if you have a smile to show, show it now. Make hearts happy, roses grow. Let the friends around you know the love you have for them before they go. Show it now. Here's what I would say. 
If you're waiting to become a different person, a better person, a more balanced person, a person who impacts your world the way that Elijah did, today's your day. Today's your day to make the change, to find that balance of boldness and brokenness and let the love of God shine through to you and through you. And I hope you'll do it now. Heavenly Father, work within our hearts and make us the people that you desire for us to be. We know that too often we're going our own way and doing our own thing. And when that is true, Lord, we're not what you desire. We may have a default setting of way too bold or way too broken, but here's what I know. Dear God, please help us to be that balance where we're not too bold or too broken, but we are that person that you have created us to be, and we're influencing those people around us the way that you've called us to do. And help us to do it and begin today and do it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Bold and brokenness. You know, how many of us know that God's prevailing will will reign? No matter what we do, God's prevailing will will reign because he's a sovereign God. So his promises can't be broken. But you see, God wants us to live in his perfect will, which is different. God wants us to live in his perfect will. And you cannot do that without being bold and broken. In this nation today, we're, we're not living in God's perfect will. We're not doing that. And we know it. We're not in this church today. And maybe the people who are viewing are not living in God's perfect will. I'm not living in God's perfect will. You know, yesterday, I'm not sure if many of you guys know, but yesterday there were hundreds of thousands of Christians who gathered at the National Mall as well as around various different towns. Uh, and uh, it was really about getting together to pray and, and repent for this country. And uh, ISIS and I had an opportunity to do it within our town. And, you know, some people fast also. And the whole purpose and intent behind it was really around asking for repentance. And I took some boldness to go in, you know, hundreds of thousands of people go to National Mall. A lot of people are in, you know, in their towns going to their city halls. It took boldness to go and do that. But it was really about humbleness. It's really about seeing that we're broken people and that we're not living the life that God has for us today. And God is just asking us to realize that we have to be humble and that we have to come back to him. We have to be bold enough to stand against the devil's tricks and schemes and come towards him. And a lot of people have fallen. You know, and I heard this the other day ago, you know, you fall, you fall, and you fall way down to the ground. You know, right, hit rock bottom. But sometimes God does that for us so that he can, we can build on his foundation, so that we can begin to live in his perfect will. You see, Elijah got that. He didn't question and second guess God, he just went and did what God wanted him to do. That's living in God's perfect will. But when we're only bold, what we do is go and figure out what we wanna do and live in our own will. So we have an opportunity 
today to take everything that we've learned and heard and put it in our hearts and ask ourselves, how do we go back? How do we go back to 2 Chronicles 7.14? Because that's a perfect balance of what God is asking us to do. He says for his people, right, who are called by his name, show what? Humble themselves. Be broken. Recognize who we are and who he is. And then pray and seek his face. And this is the bold part here, right? Turn from our wicked ways. Because the devil is going to always be scheming and plotting and he's going to always try to get us. But being bold enough to stand in that circle and say, I'm not leaving what God has me at today. And when we do that, God says he hears us. He forgives us for our sins. But what does he do? He heals this land. He heals this nation. We as Christians, we have to be bold, but yet we have to be broken. We have to step up and we have to fill the gap. Because if we don't, this nation is going to continue to hurt. It's going to continue to have the challenges it has. And there's a lot, I know it's almost everybody's mind on where the world's going to go, where this nation going to go. But you know what? Let's not worry about that. All we have to do is stand bold and also be humbled and know that if we follow God's path, he's going to take over. Let's just pray real quick before we leave today. Lord, Father, awesome God, Father, you know, sovereign, sovereign God. We just thank you, God, for loving us and having grace upon us. We, we thank you, Lord, for the, the, the supernatural ability that you have to step in the gap and to be able to step in, Lord, Father, when we don't deserve, deserve, you to, uh, deserve your grace or your mercy. We thank you, God, Father, for your prevailing will, that no matter how far we go off track, you, your promises are going to still be intact and be made. We ask you, Lord, to help us to become, become bold Christians. Christians, Lord, Father, who are humbled and understand that we're broken as well. But have that balance. And be able to continue to see, Lord, Father, where you're trying to take us. Recognize, Lord, Father, when you're putting things in our way. To say, no, I want you to be in my perfect will. Not going to do what you want to do. Help us see that, Lord. Help us be, be shaken, Lord. Where we're not following your path. And I ask you, Lord, today to help this nation. Touch this nation, Lord. Allow this nation to fall on their knees and begin to repent. And be broken for a second. To know, Lord, Father, that all we have is you. Our only chance is Christ Jesus. But you've promised that we'll meet with you, Lord, in heaven. We only believe and know that your son has been sacrificed for us. And we follow your perfect will. We thank you, God, and we love you, and we ask you to just continue to convict us in our spirits so that we can get closer to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. Thank you.